been a long time. It's definitely been a long time. It's been, what, two weeks since we've had a show. And I'm excited to be back. A lot of things have happened in the past couple of weeks. We have conference championship games, rivalry week, college football playoffs. It's a lot of stuff to get into today. I got my little notes in front of me. And, you know, it's been a, it's been a tough week. I, I will say that. We're going to go ahead and touch the college football playoffs and talk about Georgia, Michigan, Cincinnati, and Alabama. But before we touch that, just want to say a big shout-out to Alabama. You know, I, I lost a bet with a friend. Um, big shout-out with Alabama. I kind of knew Alabama was going to have their way. I just didn't know they were going to have their way like that. But big shout-out to Alabama. Shout-out to Michigan and Coach Harbaugh. You know, they did their thing. And, hey, man, they made the college football playoffs. But I want to touch on this. I've seen a lot of people give kind of Cincinnati a lot of flack for making the college football playoffs, and I'm not necessarily understanding it. Um, I want everybody to look at the college football playoff rankings. I want you to look at the, each team and tell me what team in the college football rankings has necessarily a lot more players than Cincinnati, has a lot more first-round picks than Cincinnati. Cincinnati has the most first-round picks in the college football playoffs probably this year. They have four NFL first-round picks, Majay Sanders, uh, Kobe Bryant, who's a cornerback at Cincinnati, Sauce Gardner, and Desmond Ritter. Georgia doesn't have a first-round pick or that many first-round picks, maybe the Kobe Dean and Jordan Davis. That's probably it. Alabama, none of their players, none of Alabama's best players can go to the NFL draft because they're so young. Bryce Young, he's a sophomore. He can't even enter the NFL draft. Uh, Will Anderson, who I think is the best player in the country who should win the Heisman, he didn't even get nominated. He can't even go into the draft because he's too young. Neither one of them can legally drink. In Michigan, I don't think they have any first-round picks outside of Aiden Hutchinson. But what, what I wanted to touch on today was I have a lot of friends who are Ohio State fans, and I just I see somebody says uh, the Falcons should draft Desmond Ritter. I think we should hold off on that. We'll get to that discussion in a little bit. But what I want to say to a lot of Ohio State fans and a lot of, and I'm a Michigan State kind of fan too, because I have, you know, some family up there at Michigan State um, that plays football there. What I want to say to them is don't complain about Cincinnati getting in. Complain about you losing two games to two teams that necessarily should have never beat you. Michigan State, they lost to Purdue. I, I understand Michigan State losing to Ohio State. That's cool. Ohio State lost to Oregon, who lost to three and nine Stanford and lost to the Utah Utes twice back to back. Cincinnati. They've beaten Notre Dame. They've went undefeated. And there's been multiple cases where a team in the college football playoff era has been snubbed from that fourth spot in the college football playoffs. Look at 2014 for my Ohio State fans that complain about not being in. Well, in 2014, TCU had a better resume than Ohio State. Guess who got in? Ohio State. Ohio State lost a home game that year to Virginia Tech by 14. TCU lost a three-point game to a Baylor team that went what, lost one game. And then we have 2018 Georgia where Notre Dame got in over Georgia and Georgia was clearly better. But I want to stay on track here with the college football playoffs. I did want to touch on this, and I did want to break this down. I'm just I, – I will say it, and I don't, I don't know if we have any Georgia fans in here. If we have any Georgia fans in here, just comment. If we have any Michigan fans in here, just comment. But I'm going to say this. Georgia is overrated. Does that mean they're bad? No. But they were an overrated team Saturday. They've been overrated 
all season long. And I see where somebody is saying they need to expand the college football playoffs. I totally agree with that. And that's going to be a topic for next week. We're going to talk about that because I do agree with that. But what I will say is something that intrigued me about Georgia losing Saturday. I love my Bulldogs, but they got destroyed Saturday. 41-24, if anybody didn't watch the SEC championship game. They're a overrated team, and here is why. Is there a position group on Georgia that just you you look at them and you're like, wow, like they're good at running back. They're great at running back. They're great at quarterback. They're great at wide receiver. Can you say that this year? No. Okay, your D-line, can you say that to a degree they're good? Are they great? No. The linebacking core, is it good or great? No, they have a great player at the linebacking core, but is it a great core? No. Cornerback safeties, is it a great core? Absolutely not. They got torched by Jamison Williams and John Mechie, who I think will be first-round picks. But what I will say about Georgia is this. I'm going to stick not necessarily beside Stetson Bennett, but I'm going to give him a pass, and here's why. I blame three people. Well, two two groups. I, gl- I blame the coaching staff and Kirby Smart. I think Kirby Smart – he didn't, he didn't understand the game plan you have to go in to beat Bama. To beat Bama, you have to score points. You're not going to beat Bama off of play, playing good defense. I don't care who you are. Show me the last team that shut down Bama and won a national championship. And they just shut down Bama completely. Only team I could think about is Clemson, where they had four first-round picks at the D-line. Justin Ross and um, Mike Williams on two sides of the field and Trevor Lawrence at quarterback with Travis Etienne. That's the only team, and that's one of the best teams of all time in college football history. What I want to point out is this Georgia team has a lot of flaws, but I'm blaming the running back group at Georgia and Kirby Smart. This running back group at Georgia is extremely overrated. We, we hype it up too much as if they're really good and they've produced. In my opinion, have they been good? No, I don't think they've even been good. Have they been solid? Have they been okay? Yes, it's easy to be solid and okay at the University of Georgia running the football me and my sister could go run the ball behind those offensive linemen at Georgia. But are they good? Are they great? No. I'm going to give you guys some interesting stats right here. Georgia is known, for everybody in the chat, for everybody that's watching the show, Georgia is known as what? RBU, correct? Georgia is known as running back university. Here's the interesting stat. I, I, I have been a Georgia fan my entire life. I have seen Todd Gurley and Keith Marshall, running back duo. Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb, running back duo. Swift and Holyfield. Running back duo. So I will start from the top. Todd Gurley and Keith Marshall, who people don't know, Todd Gurley was the first team. He was first team All-American, first team All-SEC as a true freshman in 2012. I'm only going off their best seasons at Georgia. Todd Gurley as a true freshman, that was his best season at Georgia. Keith Marshall, for a lot of people that know don't know, he came in the same year as Todd Gurley. Both of them were true freshmen in 2012. They had one of the best seasons in college football history as freshmen. As freshmen, Keith Marshall tore his ACL the next year. That's why you never heard from him again. That's how you found out about Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb came on the scene after Keith Marshall tore his ACL. That's how Nick Chubb burst on the scene. But Keith Marshall was that dude. Just in this 2012 season, as true freshmen, 18-year-olds, Todd Gurley had 1,385 yards, 17 touchdowns. Keith Marshall. They had, he had 759 yards, eight touchdowns. Keep track of this. They both had 25 touchdowns combined and 2,144 yards combined. As true freshmen, and for people that don't know, they hype up this Georgia defense. In 2012, 
Alabama and Georgia played in the SEC championship. Georgia obviously lost 32-28. That Alabama, for everybody that does not know, I have the roster right here. That Alabama defense did not give up no more than 29 points that year. They lost to Johnny Menzel, who's one of the greatest college football quarterbacks ever, and they uh, let Georgia score 28 points. It's the greatest defense of all time in college football history. If you watched football back then, 2012 Alabama was the greatest college football defense ever, point blank period. Todd Gurley in the SEC championship as a true freshman rushed for 152 yards. That's how good this running back core was. As an 18-year-old, Todd Gurley was going up against Ha-Ha Dix, Landon Collins, Reggie Ragland, C.J. Mosley, and that defense. Alongside, you had Kenyon Drake and Eddie Lacy at running back with Amari Cooper on this team. And Todd Gurley, as an 18-year-old, rushed for 152 yards against the best defense of all time in college football history. That's how good running backs were back then at Georgia. If you want to fast forward a few years, I'll give you the greatest running back duo of all time in college football history and that's Sonny Michelle and Nick Chubb. They're statistically the greatest running back duo in college football history. Do I think they're the best? No, I think Trish Richardson and Mark Ingram, two Heisman Trophy winners, are the best running back duo ever. But statistically, Ty, I mean, Sonny Michelle and Nick Chubb are the best. They combined for 31 touchdowns, 2,572 yards. That's ending in itself. Okay. I'm going to go to Swift and Holyfield to a lesser degree. 17 touchdowns. 2,067 yards, 2,067 yards combined. Now I'm going to go to Cook and Zamir White this year. Now remember, I gave you 2,144 yards, 2,572 yards, and 2,067 yards. 25 touchdowns, 31 touchdowns, 17 touchdowns. This year, in their best year, Zamir White and um, James Cook have 1,337 yards. Like, that's not going to get the job done. I just gave you duos where every duo since, what, 2012 has rushed for 2,000 yards combined. This duo hasn't even rushed for 1,500 yards combined. But yet we are hyping up this duo as if they're just – they're great and they're good running backs. Name a time at Georgia where either one of these players have had a big-time moment, a breakout game, and I'll shut up. I won't say anything. Todd Gurley, I could give you the SEC championship against Alabama in 2012. That was his coming out party. Sony, Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb, they went to the freaking national championship, and they were the sole reason why they went to the national championship. They went crazy in the Rose Bowl game against Oklahoma. Swift, SEC championship against Auburn in 2018. Holyfield, he had an LSU game where he had over 150 yards. Kentucky, they've had big games. Can you show me a big game where this duo and Cook and White have had a big game? You cannot, and they've been on campus for three to four years right now, and they have not shown up. And yet we think we're going to beat Alabama by running the football. Yes, you're supposed to, but we cannot with this core. Now, I'm a, the reason why I'm touching on this, this part is because I'm about to get really deep into this point. Everybody, including Georgia fans, a lot of people in Athens, a lot of Georgia people that I know think we're just going to, it's going to be a cakewalk against Michigan, right? They just think it's going to be a cakewalk and it's going to be easy, smooth selling, and it's not. Michigan's running back group is better than Georgia's. I want you to hear this. Michigan's running back group has 31 touchdowns and 2,227 uh, yards combined this year. That's more than 1,000 more yards than the running back group at Georgia and more than 14 more touchdowns than the running back group at Georgia. And Michigan is not RBU like Georgia is supposed to be. Also, Corum, who's the second leading rusher at Michigan, he's missed three games this year. So had he played in those three games, they might be at 2,500 yards. 
Georgia is completely overmatched at a lot of positions, but I think the most important position is running back. If you're going to have Stetson Bennett at quarterback where I see somebody says, as long as Kirby Smart keeps throwing out the wrong quarterbacks and getting coached, outcoached by Nick Saban, he'll never win. I think it's more so, can you find a solid core to stick with? I wouldn't say it's necessarily a quarterback because if you look at how Stetson Bennett played, he threw two bad picks. But outside of that, the kid had 349 yards and three touchdowns. It's not his fault when the entire season you have relied on just blowing out teams and running the ball against kind of weaker opponent opponents and not setting your, your quarterback up for success and kind of pampering him. So when you get to the ACC championship, what did Alabama do against Georgia? They took away what they did best, which was ground control and let Stetson B, Bennett be a game manager. They said, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to load up the box with nine and your two wide receivers going to have to beat us deep every single time. And Stetson Bennett is going to have to beat us. And I said at the beginning of the year for a lot of people that know me, Stetson Bennett is not beating Alabama by throwing the football. Georgia is going to have to beat Alabama by playing Georgia. If you go look at the national championship in which Georgia lost against Alabama, the game was low scoring. You want to know why? That team could run the football. So you gave yourself an opportunity to win. If you go look at the blowouts in which Georgia played Alabama 2015, where they got blown out at home 38 to 10, 2008, where they got blown out 38 to 0, and this past Saturday and last year, 41 to 24 back to back games, they could not run the football. They had to rely on their quarterback. The only times they have been successful or somewhat close to beating Bama is when they ran the football. In 2012, the best defense in college football history, Todd Gurley ran for 155 yards. National championship, they ran for a good amount of yards in that game as well. You're not going to beat Bama by um, passing the ball. You have to get a solid running back core. And so for everybody that I've, I've made a post today, who do I think will win the national championship? If I had to pick a team right now, I would pick Alabama. I'll pick Alabama only because of the reason I just don't know if Georgia can run the ball effectively. I'm not even worried about Stetson Bennett, and that's the crazy thing. I would love to play JT Daniels. I think he brings a different dimension to the team. But is Stetson Bennett the sole reason why Georgia lost? No. Your defense didn't show up. Everybody overhyped this defense. They hadn't played anybody all year long. This is the first time they saw NFL wide receivers, and what happened? They got torched. Like, it was, it was bad. They saw an NFL quarterback for the first time. We have not seen that all year. They saw an NFL running back, an NFL wide receiver, and an NFL defense, and they couldn't do nothing with them. That's why, as a Georgia fan right now, we all got humble and had to, t had, had to eat humble pie Saturday is because we're overreacting to beating Auburn, beating Tennessee. Well, we beat Auburn and Tennessee every year. That's nothing. When are you going to beat Bama? You haven't beaten Bama since 2007. Y'all, I was born in 1998. I was nine years old the last time they beat Bama. And I didn't watch that game because Bama wasn't good. Since Bama's been relevant, you have not beaten them. It's, it's no excuses to be made at this point. If Georgia cannot run the football and play at least decent defense and hold Alabama to 24, 27 points, we might see the rematch again, but it's going to be the same end result. Georgia is just going to lose and get embarrassed. Now, I want to touch on Alabama and Cincinnati. For everybody that thinks Alabama is just going to easily get through Cincinnati, do I believe Alabama will win? Yes. Do I think it would be easy? Hell no. And the reason why I say that, Cincinnati has four first-round picks on their team right now. Alabama doesn't have that. Georgia doesn't have that. Michigan doesn't have that. So they have talent. 
College football has changed, and we have to accept the fact that it's changed. People are not just going to these powerhouses and say, I'm going to just stack it up here. Cincinnati is good. Look at UCF. UCF, a couple of years ago, when they went undefeated, they beat an Auburn team. And why do I say that? That Auburn team that they beat, beat Georgia that same year. They beat Alabama that exact same year. So that Auburn team was good. UCF beat them and went undefeated. That's not a Power 5 school. For the people that are OGs to the football world, Boise State, Fiesta Bowl, one of the greatest games I've ever seen in my life, the Statue of Liberty. They beat Oklahoma, who went on to the national championship the next year, but they beat Oklahoma center stage, ESPN. I think that was 2006 or 2007, Fiesta Bowl. Boise State wasn't a team that's in one of these Power 5 conferences. So the landscape has changed. Cincinnati is your Boise State. Cincinnati is your UCF. But they actually have first-round talent this year. Their cornerback is one of the best cornerbacks in the country. Their quarterback is a top-five quarterback in the country. Their, their left-end, Majay Sanders, he's a top-five player in the country at his position. So just don't it, be respectful to your opponents. Just don't say, oh, we're just going to get through them by a landslide, and that's that. But I do think Alabama will beat Cincinnati. I do think Georgia will beat Michigan, but it will be very close. We could be looking at a three-point game, or Georgia could lose. It's a, it's a chance Georgia could lose. Michigan and Georgia are the same team. So, you know, I'm, I, I will give you my national championship. I will say it's Georgia and Alabama. As of right now, I will pick Alabama. The only way – I don't know if I would ever pick Georgia because I would have to watch the, watch the game and physically watch Georgia be able to run the ball. If they can't run the ball, we're not winning. It's, that's that. Kirby Smart has to get this quarterback situation together. He has to go find him a group of running backs that want to play. And not play and just go out there and rush for a couple of yards and you're good. No. Give me Sonny Michelle again. Give me Nick Chubb. Give me Todd Gurley. Hell, give me Keith Marshall or DeAndre Swift or Holyfield. But this group right here, they just not ha they haven't brought it, and they've been here for three years. It's time to switch something up. I hope next year you can bring in a fresh crop of players on the offensive side for Georgia. You have Brock Bowers. Hey, he could play. But you have a fresh new – you just need to get a new crop of players. But with that being said, man, hey, I'm going to go to break for about 30 seconds. Next segment, we're going to talk about NBA top playoff performances. If you follow me on Instagram, you've seen the post. I want to see everybody's kind of like answer on this. I saw mostly LeBron, and I might agree to that, but I don't think it's just a landslide as LeBron. So we'll be right back right after this. I just needed a quick water break, man. I mean, it's been a minute. It's been about two weeks since we've done the show. I just needed a quick water break. But The Six Man with Cam, I am your host, Cam Urshery. You can find us on Instagram at The Six Man with Cam. You can find me on Facebook at Cameron Urshery. All that good stuff. But, man, I just wanted to touch on this topic. I posted on my Instagram, the only one who showed up and played. Yeah, Brock Barris, definitely that. Um, I appreciate everybody in the comments, for one, everybody coming to watch. I know... 
I've been gone the past couple of weeks, but I am back. Um, I'm on the consistency trail, so bear with me. But I will say this. I made a post on Instagram probably four or five days ago asking about the top playoff performances, and I'm going to give you guys four to choose from. Four to choose from. Um, for the people that aren't on Instagram, here are the four. LeBron James, game six against Boston, where he scored 45 points, 15 rebounds, five assists. Kobe Bryant, game four against the Sacramento Kings in 2001. He had 48 points, 16 rebounds. Fast forward, you go to Clay game six against OKC, where he had 41 points in an NBA record, 11 threes in a playoff game. And then you go to what I think is, well, I think is the greatest performance as far as scoring in Michael Jordan, where he had 63 points against the Boston Celtics, who, for some people, if you don't know, in 1986, that Boston Celtics team may be the greatest basketball team of all time. It's definitely top five. They had five Hall of Famers, and Michael Jordan, in his second year after breaking his ankle, went and torched them for 63 points. But what I want to get at is this. I see a lot of people on the Instagram post, they were saying, LeBron James' performance is the best, which, damn, I, I, I agree to. I agree with it. But I see a lot of people discrediting all the other performances, and I don't think people looked in depth of what I posted. LeBron James Game 6 is the greatest or the best playoff performance I've seen because not because of the stats and statistics. It was the pressure that was on the line. Game 6, for people that didn't know, the year before that, he melted in the playoffs. He, it's the biggest superstar meltdown in sports history, not NBA history, sports history where he lost against the Dallas Mavericks in 2011. He only averaged about 15 points and got outscored by Jason Terry, um, Dirk Nowinski, um, and got outscored by Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. The following season, he makes it to the Eastern Conference Finals, and he plays his nemesis who kind of ran him out of town in Cleveland in the Boston Celtics. Uh, he was down 3-2, and... Man, hey, when he was down 3-2, you, back then in 2012, for people that watched ESPN, you may have seen Skip and, and Stephen A., you would know how much pressure was on this man. Like, I've never seen nothing like it. It was so much pressure, and it's like, it was kind of suffocating to even watch it when people reported it. But LeBron James down 3-2, his career and legacy was on the line, and it, he did something I'd never seen him do. It wasn't scoring and rebounding. He's always done that. He went into the game with a straight face, and I've never seen a grown man that mad playing the game of basketball. I mean, it's one of the most efficient, most – it, it, it was a performance for the ages. It's the greatest performance I've seen in playoff history. I can't say that. We could talk about his 51-point performance against Golden State in the finals, but he lost that game. And kind of due to the fact he didn't show up in overtime, he showed up in every minute of this game. And that's why I think that's number one. But I'm going to go to my number two, which is Kobe Bryant. He was Kobe Bryant was 22 years old. So right now I'm 23. How old is everybody in the chat? I'm sure everybody is in their early 20s. Can you go out there and score 48 points and 16 rebounds and average 35-9-4 as a 22-year-old against one of the best teams in the world? No, you can't. I'm not going to even let you answer that because I know you can't. Nobody in here can he put up 48 points and 16 rebounds, but what people do not know what happened in that 2001 season, Kobe was exiled from his team. For a lot of people that don't know, they have a good relationship. Now, Shaq, Shaq and Kobe were having a lot of beef in 2001, where Kobe kind of called him out publicly and kind of released some stuff publicly, and the team didn't really 
care for Kobe too much during the middle of that season to the point where Kobe had to leave the team in the middle of the season just to get a break and just say, I'll be back in a little bit. I'll let things simmer down. And it's the fact that at age 22, he had the mental fortitude to go out there and drop 48 points and 16 rebounds against their nemesis in the Sacramento Kings. And, I mean, in that game in game four, Shaq had fouled out. And it was I think it was a one-point game he had fouled out, and Kobe just he just put the nail in the coffin and hit just smooth shot after smooth shot. And I just think Kobe is one of the greatest playoff performers ever. But I think this is one of his greatest playoff performances. I just love this is the Kobe with the fro and the arm sleeve and the number eight. And he's dunking on everybody and he's shooting. And I think that was his coming out party to be the best player in the NBA. You you could see after that series, they did an interview with Shaq. They let Stephen A talk and they said Kobe Bryant at age 22 is the best player in the world at age 22 in 2001. We still have Shaq in the NBA. Michael Jordan played on the Wizards, but we have Shaq in the NBA and they'll call him, you know, Kobe the greatest player in the world. So those are for the people that, you know, say Shaq gets Shaq or Kobe got carried by Shaq. I just wanted y'all to know that. But my third favorite performance or my third most impressive would be Michael Jordan. Um, it was his second year in the NBA, and he missed basically his whole second year by breaking his ankle. And just fast forward, he scored 63 points against one of the greatest teams of all time without any kind of reps, and it was just impressive. It's still a playoff scoring performance that has not been matched, hasn't been broken since that day. I want to say that was 1986, April 20th of 1986. For people that – I want somebody to look that up and correct me. I think it was April 20th, 1986, he had scored 63 points. Until that day, it's been, what, 35 years and, and nobody has broke that record. And nobody's really came close. You, I remember Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray. They kind of came close with their 55 and 50-point outing. But nobody's came kind of close. Now, this one is the greatest shooting performance I've ever seen in Klay Thompson where – he had 41 points, 11 threes, which is a NBA playoff record. And it was the daggers. If you watch the game live, which me and my best friend, James Ohama, you know, guy that played Michigan State, that dude, my guy, he was at my house in 2016 when we were still in high school. And I'll never forget, obviously, if you know, um, Golden State was down 3-1 in that series against the OKC Thunder, and it looked like OKC was going to the finals, who I thought was still the better team at the end of the day. They win game five, but game six, Clay's just hot. First half, he's hot. He hit a couple of threes. The second half, he hits like seven threes, and all of them are daggers. They, For the most part of that game, Golden State could not pull away. They couldn't get, they couldn't get towards OKC's lead until like the end of the fourth where Clay's hitting dagger and dagger and they're cutting it close, they're cutting it close, and it's one-on-one, one-on-one, and Westbrook does his thing, he turns it over as usual, and Clay comes down the court and just bang, he hits a dagger right then and there. And it's 104, one-on-one, and they go, go ahead and win that series. I have that as the fourth most impressive performance only because he has less points than all the guys I just named, less rebounds, less assists, and I, I want to say he wasn't even a leading scorer in that game or Steph Curry pitched in 38 points. And Steph Curry was big in that game too. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a mold over again. My top performances is LeBron, Kobe, MJ, Clay, And for honorable mention, I could put LeBron James' 51-point game performance. I could put Kobe's 51, I mean 49-point game performance against the Denver Nuggets in the first round. But, hey, y'all, I just wanted to, you know, 
touch on that again, the Instagram post that we made a few uh, a couple of days ago. And look, we're just going to come right back and we're going to talk about little NFL. We're going to take a minute break, actually. We're going to talk about NFL Super Bowl contenders. I want to hear, like, who do y'all think is y'all NFL Super Bowl contenders? Who's going to win the Super Bowl to y'all? Because right now, if I had to pick, I ain't going to tell y'all. I ain't going to tell y'all. We'll be right back. We're going to take a minute break. We're going to talk about the NBA, I mean, not NBA, NFL Super Bowl contenders next, right here. That was about 50 seconds. That was about 50 seconds. I was ready to get back. This is not going to be a super long show today. It's not going to be the hour normal schedule that we have because I'm trying to condense things and get things out a little bit fast for people to process. But, hey, look, I see where I already see some comments where somebody says, Cowboys, I have personally right now one, two. I have seven Super Bowl contenders. I might pitch in the eight with the Cowboys. That lets you know disclaimer that now on my list. But I'm going to go through my seven, my seven Super Bowl contenders. And I see in the comments where they said KC versus Pats in the AFC Championship. I actually disagree, bro, but it's likely to happen. I will say this. Coming out the gate, the best team in the NFL is the New England Patriots. Don't argue with me. I just seen the New England Patriots win a freaking football game by passing the ball three times. Against a team that can win the Super Bowl. The Buffalo Bills, like it or not, they can win the Super Bowl. The Patriots beat them by passing the ball three times. You know what that's telling me? Hey, we can win you ugly. We can win the shootouts. We can win the, the defenses, uh, like nasty defensive games. We can do it all. I just held you to 10 points and just passed the ball three times and still beat you by running the football. 40-some carries, 260-some yards. So... If I had to pick a Super Bowl champion today, it's the New England Patriots. Now, I have contenders, and the list is fluid. It's fluid because I had the Rams a couple of weeks ago, pretty much a month ago. I definitely had the Rams. But what I will say is this. The New England Patriots, if there had to be a Super Bowl champion today, I would go to Vegas because, you know, gambling's not illegal in Georgia. I would go to Vegas, and I would put all my money in my bank account right now in Vegas and say, hey, I got that rookie quarterback, Mac Jones. I got Bill Belichick, and I got them winning the Super Bowl. And I love Aaron Rodgers, but I got them winning the Super Bowl. Now, I will touch on this. These are my other six Super Bowl contenders. I have the Kansas City Chiefs, the Los Angeles Rams, the Arizona Cardinals, Green Bay Packers, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the Tennessee Titans. And I guess I start with the Tennessee Titans. I put Tennessee only out the sign of respect that if they can make the playoffs, they're going to get Derrick Henry back. And I believe, I'm a firm believer, if Derrick Henry comes back 100%, 
and Tennessee has that home field advantage that they still have a chance to get, I think Tennessee's going to be a hard team to beat, man. They got a tough defense. Ronnie Tannehill hasn't played back. Julio Jones, if he could get healthy, Julio Jones is Julio Jones. I don't even have to explain that. A.J. Brown, when he gets healthy, and then you have Derek the King Henry when he gets back, that's one of my t- contenders. But, hey, they're not this team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's been a weird season. Um, no, I, I, I want to say the Titans over the Cowboys. For everybody that I want to know, only reason why I did not put Cowboys on this list, if you heard my list, I said Rams, Cardinals, Packers, Tampa. Those are four teams in the NFC. I don't know if the Pack, Pack the, the, the Cowboys would have to beat two, maybe three of those teams. And I don't know if the Cowboys can, do, can beat three of those teams right now, at least in one playoff run. Now, can they beat them during the regular season and the longevity of a 17-game season? Absolutely. But in a three-game stretch, you're telling me you could beat the Rams, Cardinals, and Packers in three games in a row? That's tough sledding. The NFC is tough. The NFC is tough. It's a lot of teams that can win it. The NFC is tough. San Francisco, I still respect them. The NFC is tough, man. Like, they're really, it's really tough. So you got to leave a team out. And right now, I got to leave out the Cowboys because I don't even know if the Cowboys win their division. Before you, before you even say anything, go look at the standings. They're only two games ahead of Washington, and they got to play the, the Washington um, football team twice in the next two weeks. I mean, in the next three weeks, they got to play them twice. You could easily lose this division if you lose to Washington twice. That's why I don't have the Cowboys there. But the NFC the is tough, but I do have Tampa. The, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they whooped up on my Falcons. Um, shout out to them Falcons, man. You played hard. You're just not a better team. We've been saying that for the past, like, five years. But what I can say is the Falcons put in a lot of effort that game. They showed some fight. They just didn't get beat down. They were, it was 23-17 for the majority of the game. You got to respect that. Falcons have probably the worst roster in the NFL, and they're competing. That's all we can ask for as Falcons fans. But this is not Falcons therapy. What I will say is this. Tampa is legit. They're missing Antonio Brown. They just got Ron Garkowski back. Lord have mercy. They're missing, like, their entire defense, and somehow, someway, they're 9-3. and three. I don't know how you're going to beat Tampa. Um, the only way I think Tampa will lose is f- to this next team, Green Bay. Now, this is my NFC favorite, and the reason why I have Green Bay as my NFC favorite, if Green Bay wins the NFC, I could, <clears throat> I could promise you guys, it's already snowing now. I could promise you there's nobody that's going to Lambeau and beating Green Bay. No way in hell, nobody, no, there's nobody going to Lambeau and Green being Green Bay. There's no way possible. I'm sorry. I don't think so. It's too cold. It's too hard to beat Green Bay in Lambeau. I know y'all gonna say Tampa did it last year. Well, it's 50 degrees in Lambeau. That's not gonna happen in January again. Last year it was set up perfectly for Tampa to win. They had the Super Bowl in their home in their home stadium. They had to travel to Lambeau, and it's 50 degrees in Lambeau. When is it ever 50 degrees in Lambeau? It was just 17 degrees in Lambeau last week. Last week. So if it's a cold winter, as I would predict, because it's already getting cold, not here in South Georgia because it's 76 degrees here and I'm sweating, but if it's a cold winter in Lambeau this year and it's snowing, I will say this, it's going to be hard to beat them Green Bay Packers out there in, in, in Lambeau, man. And Aaron Rodgers, hey. Hey, 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 that's a bad man. Aaron Rodgers might win MVP again. I don't think he will because they don't want to give it to him back-to-back years 
on some Peyton Manning stuff like they did back in the day. But Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the NFL. It's not close. It's not close. I don't want to hear Mahomes. Mahomes ain't there yet. He ain't there yet. Aaron Rodgers got 25 touchdowns and four picks, and he has one wide receiver. Mahomes got 25 touchdowns and 12 picks, and he has a slew of receivers. And a, and the best offensive play caller at the offensive coordinator and head coach position. Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the NFL. He is killing it. He's better than Tom Brady. He's better than Mahomes. He's better than Josh Allen. I don't even want to hear about Lamar Jackson because I don't have the Ravens on the list. Dave nosedive a little bit. But my next team is the Arizona Cardinals, who I respect, but are they ready? And this is the reason why I don't think they're ready. They have no playoff experience outside of D-Hop. Nobody. J.J. Watt's out for the season. Kyler Murray is a great quarterback, but have we seen Kyler Murray in the playoff game? No, we haven't. Have we seen Christian Kirk in the playoff game? No, we haven't. Has Cliff Kingsbury coached a playoff game? <clears throat> no, he hasn't. So the point that I'm getting at is they, they remind me of a Falcons team a while back when Matt Ryan and them went to the playoffs, 11-5, Matt Ryan's rookie year. They were ahead of schedule. This Arizona Cardinals team is a little bit ahead of schedule. Yeah, they 9-2. That's cute. That's cool. I think they might lose in the first round because you know who they might play in the first round? This team that's up next who I think has a chance to win the Super Bowl if they could get it together. And that is the L.A. Rams. The L.A. Rams, if Matt Stafford could get his decision-making together, which I believe he will, Matt Stafford is a really good quarterback, y'all. I think y'all need to go do your research. He played for Detroit. That's why we don't know nothing about him. The dude's top 10 all-time in passing touchdowns. Like, he's really good. If Matt Stafford could get this together, if Odell could figure out this scheme, man, they're going to be really dangerous, bro. They're going to be really, really dangerous. And I think that defense with Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, Von Miller, give them a couple more games, they'll get it together. But Odell, you have to help out Cooper Cup. Right now, ladies and gentlemen, Cooper Cup is leading the NFL in receptions, Receiving yards and receiving touchdowns. Put res put some respect on his name, bro. He's a top five wide receiver at least this year. He's leading the NFL in receptions, receiving touchdowns, and receiving yards. And the, and the brothers missed the game, too. I mean, dude's elite. He has 100 catches already, and we've only played, what, 12? They've only played 12 games. I think the Rams are dangerous. They're a contender. I wouldn't count them out yet. You still have to go through Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. <clears throat> Excuse me. And Von Miller. I wouldn't count them out yet, but I'm going to go to the Kansas City Chiefs. I see where somebody says um, Kansas City only has Tyreek Hill. You sound crazy. They have Travis Kelsey, dude. Travis Kelsey is the best tight end in the NFL. They have Clyde Edwards Lair. They still have Miko Hardman. They have Tyreek Hill. But what you're missing is they have the best, the two best play callers in the NFL. They have the two best play callers in the NFL. They have Andy Reid, and they have Eric Bieniemy. Only reason why I compared them to Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers has one receiver, Devontae Adams. Name another receiver. Name another receiver. Because I see you coming, name another receiver. Aaron Rodgers, he, his head coach is Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur is not known for nothing but just being Aaron Rodgers' head coach. Andy Reid was putting up historical numbers as an offensive coordinator before Patrick Mahomes even got there. Remember, Patrick Mahomes in, was inherited by a Kansas City team that made the playoffs the year before he even got there. 
Alex Smith was good in that system. Was he Patrick Mahomes? Absolutely not. Is Patrick Mahomes a great quarterback? Absolutely. I think Patrick Mahomes is still a top-five quarterback. And the fact that you just said Valdez Scantling and Lazard are solid, that lets me know a lot is going on in your head right now. Valdez Scantling and Lazard led the league in dropping last year, drop passes last year. You know that, right? Yeah, they led the league in drop passes last year. I want you to go see the production Again, they, they actually lost a game last year where Valdez Scantling dropped a wide open touchdown. I want you to go see their production in the playoffs. Is Valdez Scantling and Lazard good or do they just play with Aaron Rodgers? Because last time I checked, I seen Aaron Rodgers make Jordan Nelson look good. Where's Jordan Nelson now? Jordan Nelson's at home. He, he, he hasn't been good since he's left Aaron Rodgers. He made Greg Jennings look good. He made Donald Driver look good. He, he's made so many people look good. So for you to say he's solid, no, they're not solid. They're good enough to play with Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers makes them good enough. Pringle, the wide receiver for Kansas City, Pringle, he's nice. Yeah, thank you. They're, they nice. They wasn't ready for Aaron Rodgers' passes. My point exactly. They're just not ready for those type of – they're not those type of players because if I had to match up Kansas City's roster, wide receiver, Green Bay's roster, wide receiver, and I had to go to the totality – Pringle and Tyreek Hill, just those two alone, are better than Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard. I want you to go look up Pringle's numbers as well. Pringle is a very solid receiver. But at the same time, am I taking any way from Mahomes, anything away from Mahomes? No. But Mahomes is struggling a lot. He only has 25 touchdowns, which is nice. That's nice. But he has 12 interceptions. He's struggling a lot, and they just don't look the same. Can't, out of all these teams – Patriots, Kansas City, Rams, Cardinals, Packers, Tampa, and Titans. Kansas City is the lowest out of those seven. I have them at number seven out of all those teams. I think right now, matter of fact, did they not just play? The Tennessee Titans are better than the Kansas City Chiefs. I think if Tampa played the Kansas City Chiefs today, they're better. The Packers is not even close. Cardinals, they're better than Kansas City. The Rams in Kansas City, I give you that, but I say the Rams because they have a better defense, and I haven't seen Patrick Mahomes be Patrick Mahomes this year. I like the Packers wide receivers to a degree, but at the same time, y'all have to understand Aaron Rodgers has made these receivers look good. If you go put Alan Lazard and Valdez Scantling on the Detroit Lions, you won't hear nothing from them. If you go put Pringle from the Kansas City Chiefs on the Atlanta Falcons, you'll hear something from them because you got Matt Ryan throwing in the ball. That's the point I'm trying to get at. I think the Chiefs are a good team, but do I think the Chiefs – are a legitimate contender this year? No, I think if the Chiefs and Patriots played today, I did forget about Randall Cobb. He's solid. He's very solid. Now that I'll give you. Randall Cobb is a solid dude. He's solid. I love him. I've loved Randall Cobb since 2012. But what I will say is this. If Kansas City and the Patriots played today, you would definitely pick uh, the Patriots. I don't even care if it's in um, Arrowhead in Kansas City. I'll pick the Patriots. But, hey, Look, we're going to go to break real quick. We'll be back in 30 seconds. We're going to talk about some NBA talk about the current standings in the NBA. I'm going to give you my top four teams from the East and my top four um, teams from the West. It's it's a long season, y'all. Calm down. I told y'all calm down. Hey, you can catch us right here at the Six Man with Cam on YouTube. For everybody that's in the comments that's watching, please just click the subscribe button. Share it to your friends. It goes a long way. We're trying to build something right here right now we're trying to make something happen just subscribe share to your friends it just takes five seconds if you can support anybody else support your boy 
You can find us on Facebook at Cameron Archery. And we're right here at ESPN Coastal. We'll be right back after this. All right, we are back. We are back. The Six Man with Cam is presented by Cam Mercury himself. I'm the I'm the host, but also you can find us on Instagram at the Six Man with Cam. You can find me on Facebook at Cam Mercury. Um, and we're right here live at ESPN Coastal Radio. And man, I want to go ahead and talk about the NBA current standings. I'm gonna give you my top four teams in the East and West. And these are not necessarily my top four teams as far as record wise. But these are my top four teams that I think have a chance to win their individual conferences. So I'm going to start in the East. I'll give you my four teams. I'll give you the Nets. I see somebody says the Bulls. Yeah, the Bulls look damn good. The Bulls could win the East. But I'll give you the Nets, the Bulls, the Bucks, and the Heat. Um, and that's the current standings right now. The Nets are number one, in, um, number one seed in the East right now. The Bulls are the number two seed. The Bucks are the number three. And the Heat are the number four seed. And I'm very impressed with what I've seen from the Brooklyn Nets. No Kyrie Irving that hasn't really distracted them. They're 17-7, I believe. James Harden hasn't been James Harden yet. But what I will say is this. James Harden, he's he's orchestrating a lot. Like, you can tell he's not in shape. And will James Harden ever get back in shape? That's to be... We're just going to have to... That's to be questioned. We're just going to have to see. Because um, if James Harden is not the scoring machine that we know, then Brooklyn has no chance. Um, I will say this. Kevin Durant, he's the best player in the world, but do I think it's by a long shot? No. When LeBron is healthy, it's really hard not to call him the best player in the world. But we'll touch on that in a second because when LeBron has played this year, he looks like the best player in the world. I mean, he looks like the best player in the world um, when he's healthy and can play. I mean, he had a 30-point game against Golden State just last night, 30 against Boston, 30 against the Pacers. He has He's only played, I think, 11, 12 games. But the Nets, they've been impressive. I got to give Kevin Durant his kudos. He's showing me, hey, I didn't need Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Equal Dollar and Draymond this go around. I just got James Harden and a bunch of dudes. And you finally are trying. You're earning my respect now because you're hooping. But can you do it in the playoffs? That's left to be said. We're going to have to see about that. But the Bulls, I see the Bulls, man. They're scary. And... It's been reports the Bulls might actually try to go get DeBontis Sabonis. And for people that don't know that, that's the all-star forward for the Indiana Pacers. And they, if they get him, I might have them win in the East. Lonzo Ball, I'm, it, it, I, I almost go home and cry in my bed every day due to the fact that the Lakers just let Lonzo Ball go. I know it brought us Anthony Davis, but we could have got Lonzo Ball back in free agency this, this go-around this year, and we didn't. He is one of the best Point guards in the NBA right now. Is he top 10? No, but he's one of the best point guards in the NBA right now. He's one of the best defenders. The kid's IQ is off the chart, and he could just switch one through four. And I, I love Lonzo Ball. I love Alex Caruso for the Caruso. Their defense is crazy. I think they're the best defensive team in the NBA. May, you could say Golden State is up there to a degree, and Phoenix is up there to a degree. But right now, I say the Bulls is the best defense in the NBA because you have two pit bull guards where Lonzo, he's playing you for 30 minutes, and then Caruso comes in, and he just, he's a pit bull. He leads the NBA in steals. I love Alex Caruso. 
I wish the Lakers never got rid of him. Lonzo might be a top 10 point guard. I might have to do my research on that because you might be right. He might be a top 10 point guard. But what I will say is this, man, the Bulls are impressed with DeMar DeRozan. He's an MVP candidate. If I had to give an MVP right now, it would be DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan and Steph Curry. I, I say that. DeMar DeRozan and Steph Curry. I'm not going to just push Steph Curry to the side. But we got the Milwaukee Bucks, which I told you guys when, when Milwaukee was 6-8, and eight, I warned everybody, hey, bro, they're not healthy. They're not healthy. Like when <laughs> They're not healthy at all. When Milwaukee gets healthy, they're going to come back, and they're going to be just fine. And right now they're 14-9, and nine, and they're looking great. They're looking great. And I see somebody says, we went to sleep on the Hawks last year. Don't do it this year. It's not the fact that I'm sleeping on the Hawks. It's the fact that I'm seeing teams get better. And the Hawks haven't gotten better. They just stayed the same. They have the same team from last year. So essentially, if you're the Hawks or a Hawks fan right now, you have to rely on James Harden and Kevin Durant getting hurt for you to go to the Eastern Conference Finals or the Finals. You have to rely on the Bulls and one of them to get hurt because if the Hawks and the Bulls play today, I'm sorry the Bulls will beat the Hawks. The Bulls are that good. I think the Bulls have a chance to win the East. And if the Bucks and the Hawks played again, well, we've seen what happened last year. The Bucks already beat the Hawks. So that's that. But getting back to the Bucks, Giannis might be the best player in the world. I think it's Kevin Durant, LeBron, Giannis. Giannis is what we all want Anthony Davis to be. A dominant power forward slash small forward big. Giannis is what we want Anthony Davis to be. I love Giannis. I'm starting to respect him a lot more because his motor and his drive is showing me something that I'm like, damn, I wish Anthony Davis had this in him, but he just does not. You can't teach what Giannis has. Bucks have a chance to win the East if they could get healthy. And the Miami Heat is my dark horse. I think they're one of the most balanced teams in the NBA. Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, Tyler Hero is going to be your sixth man of the year. He's giving you 20 off the bench. Hey, I want to say this. I want to say this. And I, I, I see some of y'all in the chat. For the people that said Tyler Hero was washed and ain't good, you sounded stupid. I, I told you guys. I, 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 hey, that was the most ignorant statement I ever heard. The kid was giving you 40 in the, in the playoffs as a rookie. Then last year, y'all thought that was a down year, right? It was actually a good year. His rookie year, he had 13 points a game. Last year, he had 15. The kid's giving you 21 points off the bench. And y'all call this man a scrub? Y'all call this man a scrub? Man, that's why I say y'all are too quick to pronounce people as bust and scrub and best players. Give people time. This kid has been lighting up. He's a baby Devin Booker. Yeah, hey, hey. I, I say it right now. Tahiro got a little black in him. Yeah. He 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 do. That he hey, he has that swag. He gives me Devin Booker vibes. I've been saying that since he was at Kentucky. He plays just like D-Book, and it's showing this year. He's putting up 21 points a game, and y'all called him washed last year. That was the craziest thing ever. I'm glad Miami kept on to him. That team is legit with Bam, uh, Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, P.J. Tucker. I, oh, my God, I love P.J. Tucker. He's the ultimate glue guy. Wherever he goes, he's just important. And then Tyler Hero, he's just doing this thing. He's going to win six man a year. I'm sorry, he just is. Now I'm going to go out west. My four teams, and this is not currently the four best teams, but this is the four best teams that I think will be the best at the end of the season. I have the Warriors. Yeah, yeah, Duncan Robinson going through it right now. I have the Warriors, the Suns, the Jazz, and the Lakers. 
Those would be my four best teams toward at the end of the season. I'm just kind of predicting, you know, who I think will be the four best, and I, this is what I think. I see in the comments where we say Curry ain't the best in the world. You, 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 you guys have you, you Golden State fans sicking me, man. Co- Go- Steph Curry is a great player. He is not the best in the world. Can we please stop this? He's not. How many times have we seen, ladies and gentlemen in the chat, how many times have we not seen Steph Curry do this in the regular season, this exact same thing he's doing this year, and then come postseason, come postseason, he disappears. Steph Curry doesn't even lead the NBA in in points right now. It's Kevin Durant. Steph Curry is not even the NBA leader in points. Giannis is putting up 26 and like 14 this year. I, I, Steph Curry is always going to get my respect because he changed the game of basketball. Steph Curry is always going to get my respect because when I go hoop, I want to shoot number threes. When my partners and me and my partners go hoop, we stop at the three-point line before we go to the rack and get a lay. because That's because of Steph Curry. I will give him that. He's made the impact. But we have to stop just every year pronouncing who's the greatest player. Remember in 2016, everybody was sitting here saying, Steph Curry was the best player in the world in 2016. He was better than LeBron. And then in the final, Steph Curry wasn't even better than LeBron or Kyrie. Just a couple of years ago, everybody was saying Steph Curry was better than Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant comes to Golden State. Who wins the two finals MVPs? Kevin Durant. All I'm saying is this. I said it at the beginning. I said Steph Curry will win the NBA scoring title. He will win the NBA MVP. But come playoff time, I don't know what he'll bring me. And what I mean by disappear, I'm not talking numbers-wise. If you look at the eye test, Steph Curry is not the same player he is in the regular season that he is in the playoffs. LeBron James, his game elevates when he gets to the playoffs. Kevin Durant, his game elevates when he gets to the playoffs. Giannis Antetokounmpo, his game elevates when he gets to the playoffs. Those are my three best players because when LeBron James is in the regular season, he coasts. 25-8-8, that's a light regular season. He gets to the playoffs, the man averaging 28-10-10. 28-10-8. Same with Kevin Durant. He's chilling. When it comes playoff time, he elevates. When Steph Curry gets to the playoffs, Steph Curry is a good – let me get it. <clears throat> Steph Curry is a first ballot Hall of Famer, ladies and gentlemen. Steph Curry is a top five, top ten point guard of all time. He is. But Steph Curry come playoff time, he does not do the same things in the regular season that he does in the playoffs. LeBron James does better in the playoffs than he does in the regular season. Kevin Durant does better in the playoffs than he does in the regular season. Same with Giannis. We see a lot of players. So reason why I would have Steph Curry, is he a top five player in the NBA? Absolutely true right now. I think so. Is he the number one player in the NBA? No. I just saw, now granted, I wanted to touch on this. Now, to my Golden State fans out there, I told you to pump your brakes. Stop pronouncing yourself as the best team in the NBA because there is no best team in the NBA right now. You have the same record as the Phoenix Suns, 20-4. and four. The Phoenix Suns just beat you Tuesday night without Devin Booker. Steph Curry shot the worst field goal percentage in his career, 421. He was guarded by Miles Bridges. The next game, y'all beat them that Friday. Absolutely. There was no Devin Booker, though. There was no Devin Booker. Steph Curry still had a really bad game. So that is letting me know right right now that that's letting me know right now that the Phoenix Suns can play good defense against Steph Curry and give him issues. And I see there's 
And I, I see where you're saying no Clay, no Wiseman. I'm not going to touch on Clay yet. Wiseman wasn't good last year, bro. He only played 39 games. Y'all have to be realistic. You're hinging on a player that has no experience. That was bad last year. Wiseman wasn't even good. Remember, he's in the same draft class as Anthony Edwards and uh, LaMelo Ball. He's not even the same sentence as them two. I don't even know why I even said him in the same sentence as them two. James Wiseman hasn't proved to you that he's going to be good. Y'all are saying no Wiseman, no Clay. Okay, I'm going to say this. The Golden State Warriors has been without Clay Thompson for three years. Therefore, your roster is constructed to play around Steph Curry. So that's not an excuse. Now, had Clay started the season and your team was built around Clay and Steph Curry, then I would sit here and say, oh, okay, Clay got hurt. Your team was built around Steph and Clay. Like, for instance, if Clay got hurt in 2016, that team was built around Steph and Clay. Then you have a valid excuse. Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, that team was built around them. You have a valid excuse. This team is not built to cater to Clay Thompson. This team is built to cater, cater to Steph Curry. Steph Curry has gone three years without Clay Thompson. The Phoenix Suns are built to be around Devin Booker. Clay Thompson's not even your primary scorer. Steph Curry is. The Phoenix Suns' primary scorer is Devin Booker. That's why I said Devin Booker has not played. I mean, didn't play in the game Tuesday and Friday. And that would have been a game changer. That's not to say, oh, Clay didn't play. It's the fact that Golden State has gone three years without having Clay there. So since Clay is not there, they have a roster presently constructed where they can win without him. Phoenix does not have a roster presently constructed where they can win without D Book because it's made to be around D Book. I hope you get what I'm saying with saying that. Because Clay is a great player. I love Clay. He's my favorite warrior. But James Wiseman, let's stop it right now. James Wiseman is not coming in and making an immediate impact on a championship contender. He's not. We don't even know if the kid can play. He only played 39 games. We don't even know if the kid can play basketball the right way just yet. So let's pump our brakes on the James Wiseman. Klay Thompson hasn't played basketball in three years. You don't know if he's going to be fully healthy and in shape. But lastly, I want to talk about the Phoenix Suns because we talked about a lot about Golden State. The Phoenix Suns, right now, if I had to tick, pick a team to win the NBA title, it'd be the Phoenix Suns. They have everything. Devin Booker is your scorer. Miles Bridges is your lockdown defender. DeAndre Aiden is your, your big man. CP3 is the point guard. Bro, they're legit. They're legit. They scared the crap out of me. That's the only team I'm scared for my Lakers to see is the Phoenix Suns because of that pick and roll and because of that defense. They're really good. They match up well with the Lakers. That's the team that scares me. And then the Utah Jazz. I have to get it, give it to the Utah Jazz. The Utah Jazz are still impressive to this day. Donovan Mitchell and them boys, like, they're impressive. Do I think they'll win a title? No. Do I think they could, you know, make a little noise in the West? Yeah. Do they, can they beat Golden State? Uh, I wouldn't say they could beat Golden State, but could they give them a series? Yeah. Could they beat Phoenix? I say they could give Phoenix a series. I don't know if they could beat them. And then lastly, my Lakers. I will say this. We haven't had LeBron all year for the most part. We haven't had LeBron all year. The Lakers right now are eight and the, the Lakers right now are 13 and 12. I think these next five games, if you win those, you're in good shape. They're kind of games that you should win, so you should win those. But what I will say is this: LeBron James haven't been there for even half of the games this year. I think people are overreacting. 
the Lakers, what we thought the issue for the Lakers were, we thought it was going to be their offense. The offense is perfect. They're top 10 offense in the NBA. And for the Russell Westbrook slander, I warned y'all, shut up about Westbrook, man. Westbrook has played great these past 10 games. Westbrook has looked good. He's averaging 25-8-8 off of 50% from the field, 35% from the three. That's better than Dame. That's equivalent to what Steph Curry is doing right now. Is he the shooter or player Steph Curry is? Heck no. But Westbrook, Westbrook is playing great basketball right now. He really is. And LeBron James, the Lakers are 8-4 and four with LeBron James. So that shows me they're a pretty good team, not elite, but a good team with LeBron James. I do think the Lakers will get it together. I think there'll be a number four seed. I do have Golden State or Phoenix finishing one or two this year. Utah will stay at that three spot. They'll stay kind of in the middle. I have the Lakers finishing four this year. I think we'll get on a hot streak in these next five, five games, kind of give us, like, you know, some cushion, some breathing room, because I do believe in this Lakers team. Melo's hitting jump shots, but Anthony Davis is the key to this team. If Anthony Davis could have Giannis Motor, Lord have mercy, he'd be the best player in the NBA. But with that being said, man, we're a couple of minutes over, just two minutes over, y'all. I just want to thank everybody for coming in. Russell Westbrook's averaging three turnovers a game. That's actually great for him. So, yeah, but like I said, we're coming to an end with two minutes over, y'all. I just want to thank everybody that's came in. I've been gone for two weeks. Um, I've just been getting things together, kind of letting sports play out for itself as far as the conference championships, rivalry week, and now we got the college football playoffs. Now we got a couple of weeks to kind of dissect this thing. Next week, we're going to talk about college football playoff expansion, some more NBA, stuff like that. But once again, I appreciate y'all for coming on. I'm going to have some guests within these next couple of weeks, within the next month. That I think you guys is cool. Disclaimer, I might have an NFL Pro Bowler on. If, uh, you know, if you're watching, you know what I'm talking about. I got to hit your phone. But, man, hey, I appreciate y'all for coming out. If you miss any portion of the show, send it to your friends. This is The Six Man With Cam. We're right here on YouTube. You can catch us. Follow the, follow the Instagram page, The Six Man With Cam. Follow me on Facebook, at Cam Urshery. Hey, everybody in here, like and subscribe. Um, send it to your friends. Turn the, hey, that notification bell on the right side of your screen. Just click that notification bell and put it on click all so you can get notifications when we go live. We're going to be a little bit more consistent. We might brand this show out into a Wednesday and Saturday show. We're in the works of that. But I'm going to be more consistent on Instagram, which you guys have interacted very well. But I appreciate you guys for coming in. Like I said, I am your host, Cam Urshery. I appreciate everybody for coming in. And we're out. We'll be back next week.